Well, good morning. I hope you had a blessed Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, I had a lot of things to thank for. The turkey. Uh, chocolate pudding. Oh, yes. Um, but after all eating and eating for two days, I turned around and I saw my family and I, I just, I was filled with awe because who am I that God will give me this beautiful, gorgeous, stunning wife to stand and sit beside me like an angel and, and to be angry at me and to, <laughs> to go, ah, like this. And at the same time to love on me, to encourage me. And I saw my children. I have three, five, three, a newborn right now. And I mean, and it's like a symphony orchestra. It's like, ah, wah, daddy, mama, ah. And I listen to that symphony and how beautiful it is because there is life. Everywhere in my small apartment. And God has just filled me with grace after grace. And what am I and who am I that God will entrust life, precious life, into my hands? And after all that thanksgiving and after all that all, I closed my eyes and I ended the day. And I realized, oh my God. Thanksgiving might be over. The Black Friday sale might be over. Cyber Monday, whatever that is, it will be soon over. But soon comes Christmas and I have one profound, eternal reason to be thankful no matter what my life brings and no matter what my circumstance might be because the God who created the heavens and the earth, who had me in His mind from the beginning of ages, who calls me, you are mine, I have called you by name and you are mine. That precious God who said, let there be, let there be, and there was, He Himself became flesh and dwelt among us and became the way where there is no way, back to our Lord God Almighty, so that we may eternally once again enjoy His forever joyful communion with Him in heaven, where He is, there is heaven. Because He is in me, heaven is already in me, but there comes a day when my Lord will return and the whole new heaven and earth will open up. I'll be changed, Corinthians says, like a twinkling of an eye into an image and perfect visage of Jesus Christ, perfected in every way because He is my Lord. He is my Dada, Abba. I'm made in His image and I will love Him forevermore. Hee-haw! That's what I'm thankful for. Praise God. Praise God. And as I was thanking God, I asked God, God, what is it that you, you so much desire that you will allow your children who you have saved with your precious blood What is it that you will allow us to stay another day on this broken, shattered world? 
What is it that you are so mindful of? What is it that aches your heart so much? What is your passionate desire that you are willing to allow your children even to go through the suffering that this world entails? Because when we turn on the news, when we even just knock on the next door, we see families split apart. We see people who are lonely and shattered in heart. We see those who are sick and lame. We see those who are hungry in this cold season. On the street, we see those who are without clothes and without hope and without any vision of love. And yet, you will allow us to stay here. Why do you? Why would you even allow us to stay another second on this earth? And that's when God knocked my heart again and again. Just as he did in West Africa, Ghana, in the tip of southern Sahara. When I was planning churches in West Africa, Ghana, along with my parents, who were missionaries since 93. I joined them in 2003. There he said, No one might see them, but I am watching over them. And son, thank you so much for coming out, sleeping with the vipers, sleeping with the scorpions, working in the excruciating heat, and going through all the heartache of dealing with people who will lie to you. Thank you. So much. I am pleased. That same voice. Knocked on my heart. Again. And again. We are here today. Not because so that we may have. Another 55 inch smart TV. We are not here today. So that we may roast another. Oh it is still good though. Turkey. We are not here so that we may somehow be a better person. Let me share with you a thought that God laid in my heart again and again. And I just had to write it down. And before we get into the verse, I'd like you to share the burden that God has laid on my heart. The world falsely persuades us to believe that we are living in a better world. Through their usage of scientific and technological jargons, the voice of media blind us to believe that the advancement of human knowledge can somehow accidentally resolve all the painful issues of mankind, including death. And knowing that there are soft pampering whispers are not enough to calm the storm of fear and vulnerability that rage within every heart of man. They regurgitate the old tales of paganistic gods and clothe them anew with their photoshops and dreamweaver on internet. To, and the purpose is to animate fable characters like Batman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and the Man of Steel. Characters that are sugar-coated to entertain men's ever-increasing desire to be the master over their own lives and to instill the false belief of this age. 
the belief that places two contradictory and incongruous word together, which is hope and man. Can hope be found in man? We are the very source of the problem. We are the very ones who out of our dissipation, dissatisfaction, causes pain in other people and on the creation of this world. The problem is I, not they, not this, not it, not IS, not here, not here. No, the problem is I. Why? Because we have chosen to let go of the God who perfects us and pursued every day to become perfect, the evolution idea of evolving into a better person every single day. But what a lie it is. The gospel, however, truthfully proclaims throughout the history that we are living in a broken, shattered world, shattered by the sins of man, and that hope is found in Christ alone. No matter what towers we build, from the towers of Babylon to the Al Burj Barab, I can't even pronounce it. I think it's Burj Al Arab in Emirates, which is now 110. It was built by my country. I'm from Korea. It was built by Samsung, I found out. We're building towers after towers. And no matter what kingdom we raise, everyone, every person's days, our days, are numbered. And we will return to the dust we came from. And even if we learn to fly faster than the sound and land the probe onto a flying meteorite, only the reproaching words of our Lord Jesus Christ can calm the violent storms of our volatile hearts. And this is exactly the very message that we are going to walk into because this is actually no different to 20 centuries ago when Paul was writing to the people of Galatians who were saved, but their I, I, I became important. And I wanted to be recognized. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be somehow perfected. And because they needed that, they needed the social recognition, they needed the status, they needed the economic convenience, Galatians turned from their original gospel and accepted the terms of the Jewish people around and said, we must be circumcised to be accepted. But what is that idea that permeates through us in this paganistic idea that I have to somehow reach God. That somehow I need to put my effort into being perfected into the arms of Christ. But what a lie it is. It's one of the central lies that Satan has been using for thousands of years. And yet we still fall into the same trap. From the very time of Adam when the snake tempts him. It's the same thing till today. The very temptation we feel today. Why do we disguise ourselves? Why do we sugarcoat ourselves? Why do we constantly advertise ourselves? Because not so that others will benefit, not so that lives will come up. The very natural instinct in us is so that I will be lifted up. 
But what is the central message of the gospel? He must be lifted higher and I must be debased. He must be more well known and I must be forgotten. If this is the, not the life of Christ, we are living under the same formula of very pagan world. And it is our duty today to remind ourselves that Christ came not to lift himself up, but to give himself away for many. But it is very central to also remember he didn't just give it away because he's a good man. No. Christ is not just a symbolic figure that we go after. He is not an example we try to envisage. Do you know why? What he is saying is, by your deeds, by your efforts, you cannot even come a millimicro nanometer close to my perfection. There is no way. But he is the way. And in order to understand where Paul is coming from, we're going to go verse by verse. And I'd just like you to turn to Galatians, if you have your Bible. I'm normally reading from NASB, but today I'm just going to read the very Bible that is in your pulpit. So that I can go along with you. And it begins with Galatians chapter 1. And if you have the Bible with you, just open up to Galatians chapter 1. The page number I see is 1593. 1592-1593. And I read, and please read with me together. You're welcome to voice it out, okay? Let's read verse 1 together. Go. Paul, an apostle, not of man, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. In the beginning, God created the earth. God came to Abraham. God chose David. God came to Solomon. God's word came to Jeremiah. God spoke to Isaiah. God's spirit dwelt among Ezekiel. The Bible time and again, time and again, constantly says, God is the initiator of our relationship with Him. And unless we figure this out first, we're going to have a little hard time approaching God. The number one thing that we must give up every single morning, as Paul said, I die every day. What it means is, I must surrender my autonomy. I must surrender my right to myself. I must surrender my authority. Yes, you have the right to color your room red, pink, blue. Yes, you do. Yes, you can have chocolate pops or whatever for, or pop tarts for breakfast. Yes, that's your choice. Yes. But what the Bible says, even in Proverbs, acknowledge the Lord your God always. The very basis of Christian life is, have I given every single choice decision making to Christ? Is that the very central beginning point of your day? When you woke up today, did you, in your bed, rub your eyes and go, Oh, I don't want to get up. Was that the case? Or did you wake up and say, Good morning, God. 
Oh, that was a good sleep. Oh, it's cold. <laughs> so God, what are we doing today? Is that your approach? This is actually what my daddy taught me, my physical daddy, uh, who, who, who has been on mission all his life. He said, Isaac, God is your Abba, Dada. I mean, don't talk to him in a, you wouldn't talk to me like that, would you? So talk to me naturally. And, and this is how I talk. And I say, good morning, Dad. I'm hungry. One word syllable. You know, you know, boys, have you raised boys? One syllable, one word. Okay, hungry. That's my boy right now, hungry. <laughs> well, have you said that to God? And when you had a shower and you're looking at the mirror and you are just fantastically overjoyed by the beauty of God's creation on your face and you go, oh, beautiful. I mean, if this is you, that's good. You're healthy. All right. I mean, that's how you should be because you should be all by God's creation. But at that very point, let me ask you, have you asked God, who is the other visage that I should be seeing in my prayer? Who is that very person that you want to reach today? Who can I pray for? Who can I give one more thing to? Who can I spend that little extra time with? Whose whole hands, cold hands can I hold? Who needs my heart today, God? Who needs that little encouragement that says, you are beautiful? Who needs that little notch in the back? Well done, man. You got it. Who needs that God? God. God. Are you basing every tiny to major decision of your life to Christ and say, You are my Lord. I love Samuel. When God calls Samuel, Samuel, what does Samuel do? <sighs> yes, Lord. I'm here. And the, and the priest says, No, not me. He does it again and again until... The priest tells him, hey, that's God. And what does he say to God? Just as he was told, here I am. Speak, I will listen and obey. Is that your mode of start? Is that the very mode? Are you the servant of Christ? And that's the very punchline of Paul. The authority of God, not of man. Not of man, but do you know where this world presently finds its authority? The modernism era, your era, our era, says that truth comes from relationship. If she's cool with that, if he's cool with that, alright, we're cool with that. So if, if I can't even determine if I'm a boy, I'm, I'm sorry, this is a political issue, I know, but if I can't really tell if I'm a boy or a girl by my, looking at myself, and I need someone to tell me that I need to respect everyone's different by putting different signs on the toilet says male, female, gender neutral, gender selection, and disabled. Why do you put disabled there? What I'm saying is, if my authority comes from other people, then the very brokenness in me will determine what I do. The very shatteredness, the sinfulness, the desire to walk away from God and to implement life according to my desire, that becomes the central drive. 
But if you submit yourself to Christ, this is what happens. I do not need a world to tell me that I should love those who feel different about their gender. Why? Because unlike anyone else in the world, I'm the one who have the very central burning reason to love them more than any other. Do you know why? Because Christ not only died for me, but died for that person as well. And I will do everything and anything in my power to make sure that that person realizes that loving God is much more identifying, much more assuring, and much more comforting, and much more valuable than being recognized and loved by others. That is the central difference. We have the reason to love others because we know that while we were yet still sinners, Christ even died for me. I'd rather die than to accuse someone else because my Lord died for that person. Christianity, we the Christians are called to be the salt and the light, not by judging or categorizing or somehow differentiating, but no, to accept everyone into the arms of Christ because Christ has died for them as well. My job is to love. And therefore, I am more different, more distinctive to anything that this world can provide. But that only comes when I am completely surrendered to God. I know we're in the middle of the sermon. My wife warned me. I always preach at the middle of the desert under a tree. And I have a tendency to shout as high as I can until the last person at that very pulpit can hear. Uh, so if you think I'm too loud, please calm the mic down. <laughs> but I hope you can uh, share with me this heart that God has laid on me. Paul then continues... He says, not only authority, but also our aim is to please God. And I'd like you to have a look at this together. Let's go to verse 10. Verse 10, it says, let's read me together. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Wow, this is hard. In this world, when everything seems relativistic, and, and when everyone says, oh, that's politically incorrect, or oh, how cruel, you know, and we don't want to be judged by people. We are so scared of being judged by people. You know, if there was a dislike button on Facebook, I'm sure a lot of people would push it like this. Dislike, dislike, dislike. You know, we are so sensitive about that. But we are, are we, and here's the question that I ask every day, am I so sensitive about how God might be pleased or displeased? You see, if I run to be pleased by people, then I have to let that, let the God down. And this is what happens. I have to cut the barrier short. 
It means the very safety barrier that is set up for me, I'll have to reduce. And the very idea that I know it just doesn't sound right, I'll still have to accept. And what you will find soon is that you have nothing on your own of any absolute and defilement that you are lost along with the world. And let me tell you, that's how the world decays. That's how a generation falls. When you read Chronicles, what does it say? The king did not follow the tenets, the will of God, and was evil in his sight. So what did God do? Not only shorten the term of his kingdom, but in every case, he also reduced the whole kingdom, took away the people sometimes, but most importantly, enemies came. Enemies came. Christianity faces an attack only when we ourselves willingly choose to let go of the very barrier, the safety boundary that God has instituted for our lives. When we let that go, not only do we endanger ourselves for multiple attacks in multiple areas, but we also forsake the hope, the only hope that is in this world. The solution, the hope is in Christ. And unless we deliver the truth of the Christ, Christ clearly to every people group around us. You see, there is no hope. Why did God place you here today? Why did God allow you to have a thanksgiving? So that you will be the salt and the light of the world. So that you will be distinctively salty. I realize Americans like salty food. I realize that. I just came in, I ate one of those chips and it's going, water, water, water. Uh, and because we never put that much salt on food and I was stunned. But if we, our spirit loses that kind of saltiness, this great America, the whole, this frontier that God has, we have never seen in the whole history of man. By the way, I'm thankful for you. Do you know how thankful I am? Let me just share that, right in the middle of it. Your people died on my land. And every time I think about it, I, I want to say I'm sorry. I want to thank you. I really do. I don't know how a different man of different race can come into my soul and fight the fight that we are fighting so that we will have freedom. My country is enjoying freedom that it never enjoyed in 5,000 years. And I'm standing here before you. I'm traveling around the world to preach the gospel and raise this church. Do you know why? Because I am free. Please do not think that your sacrifice, that you, you being dissolved into the world and giving yourself up like a candlestick and like the soul in food, 
Just because you disappear, not I. It's because you disappear. Don't think that that is not worth it because that is the very cause that allow men like me to stand up as a new generation and preach the gospel to every corner of the world where there is no sacrifice, there is no fruit. Unless the seed dies, how can it grow and bear fruit? We are called to die. We are called to live. This world is gone, diminishing, falling, finishing. It's the end of the chapter. We are near the return of Christ. And we have hope that no other man and woman has in this world without Christ. And our job, our calling, our Lord's will is that we will be a living, loving witness in every sector of our lives. Please, Christ, don't please us. I don't need to please anybody. The only living being that I need to please is my Lord Jesus Christ. Let that be our calling. And it was because they forgotten this, the church of Galatia tried to please other people around them. Let's turn to verse 11. And I think this is very important. And let's read it together. And I'm going to read from verse 11 uh, to even actually chapter 2. So I might read a little quickly. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. For I neither received it of men, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time, passing the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, this is you, to reveal His Son in me. This is your calling to reveal the Son in me. Is everyone seeing Son in you? Is everyone who sees you, knows you, can witness that someone is living in you? It can't be you because you are joyful over suffering, because you are giving when you even don't have, because you are living a sacrificial life that is in a 180 degree opposite direction to this world. You are living a lifestyle that is contradictory to this world. Does people, those who see you, do they all? See the Son in you. Let's read on. To reveal a Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Let me stop there. It says, I might preach Him among the heathens. This is somehow, I don't know what happened. But for Christians who we were heathens. Somehow consider the world heathen. What is that? We were heathens. By only the grace of God, we were saved. And when I went to Africa and I saw the African people, they didn't wash. They smell, yes. But do you know what? My father lived through that poverty. One day I met a boy in front of one of the church that we raised. 
He came out like this. With a little undies on. Bare everywhere else. He was hungry. And he said. It means I'm hungry. Can you give me some food? And in my heart suddenly I remember my what the story my dad said. My dad said if you beg you will forever live as a beggar. So I said no way. Don't beg. Come to church. But suddenly a boy came to me and said sir. He could speak English. Can you help this boy? I said, why? And he said, his father left the family. Then his mother left him. He was given to his grandmother, but grandma has nothing to feed him. So he let him go. He's barely six. And I said, where are you sleeping? And he said, I'm sleeping. He's sleeping in the gutter. And straight away, I remembered what my dad told me. Son, when I was made an orphan, because my grandparents died early, I used to sleep in the gutter with newspaper in the front and the back. And I used to shake in this cold weather. And when my, when I began to see things in front of me, I asked, God, if you're there, If you're alive, get me through this day and I'll live for you. Next morning, while other kids died, he was still alive. And that's when he gave his life to Christ. He straight away went to the church, knelt down and said, my life is yours. That's the age. He was 11 and a half, 12. That's the year I met Christ. You see, this is very crucial. We are heathens. Please, let us not think of ourselves being somewhat more holier, righteous than other people. Because we are not. Christ in us is the Holy One. Christ is the, in us is the one who helped us to overcome our licentiousness, our sexual desires, our greed for money, our desire to kill people, our desire to steal, our desire to lift myself up. Christ is the only difference that is in me. And let's make that clear to everyone who sees us, that they will see us going through the same suffering, but let them also see that one difference remains, that Christ in me is still picking me up. I have a toy in my uh, baby's room, and it's a toy. I don't know what you call it, the round thing. looks like a penguin, and has a soft round bottom. What do you call that? And when I knock it aside, it goes, do you, do you know that toy? Any parents? It's a round toy. And it's ee! And I was so touched. I said, thank you, God. This is the gospel. I mean, it's like, I fall. But ee! Well, I fall. Ee! I, I pulled it apart and I realized the battery and the center of gravity is right in the middle. Right in the middle. And no, no matter how you shake it to the left or right, it will fall. But it has a big smile and says, ee! My babies love it. But shouldn't that be our life? Are we afraid of cancer? We're dying anyway. 
Are we afraid of, oh, I went to this medical thing and they had these names of Porosat, so I can't even name 10 of them and they had hundreds of them. We live among the dying world anyway. But shouldn't our attitude be every morning, <laughs> Christ in me, <laughs> it's a new day. Let's change the world. That is Christian. That is hope. That is the power that reigns in us. Amen. Ooh, amen. I feel ready. <laughs> I know my wife warned me, don't go over time. Don't go over time. So, I'm not. <laughs> All right. And let's go to verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17. And we might end with this message, but I'd just like you to let God speak into your heart. Verse 17. But if... While we seek to be justified by Christ. And if I can just explain the background. It means I don't need to be justified by anyone. I don't need justification. I am free. Where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. I go to Liberty University. Where there is liberty. Yes. That's the joy we live in. What joy do we share, by the way? I know last week's sermon wasn't a joy, and I'm sure you shared about it too. You know, what joy do we share? This, this joy in freedom. <laughs> oh, sorry. Keep that in your heart. Let's go. And he says, verse 17, We ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. A lot of people get confused. Let me simplify that for you. We are not perfect. And just because we are not perfect, does that mean the grace of God is allowing us to be sinners you know, constantly? No. No. And this is the difference. Let's go. Verse 18. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, meaning if I try to come to God in my own terms, I make myself a transgressor. Why? It says, 19. For I through the law am dead to the law. Why? That I might live unto God. Why did law exist? So that we may die to the law. So that we may realize just how sinful we are. Not so that we will somehow try to become a more, 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 more holy person. No. So that we might die. The very first step of being Christian. Why, why are we baptized? So that we might die. We must die every day. That is the very first step. And the last step of Christianity. We die. Why? So that we might live on to God. And verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. No longer am I living, but Christ in me is living, and all that I do is trust that He will in me accomplish every single thing that He desires in me. I am in Christ, and He is in me. If I'm in you, and you're in me, ask, and it will be given. Knock, and the door will open. Seek, and you will find. Do you know why Christians should be blessed? Because if you're in Christ, and for the purpose of Christ, you seek and ask 
for the kingdom of God. God is so gracious and willing and your heart is so intertwined and in tune with God. Anything you seek is what Christ is seeking. Anything you desire is what Christ is desiring. Anything you want, even your lollipop, is what Christ wants to give you. Why? So that he may exemplify and portray just how great and wonderful he is so that you will be filled with his love and reach out to the world and say, look, 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 Christ in me, Christ in me. This is the man I told you about. He told me everything that I did in my life and now I'm free. John chapter 4, Samaritan woman. That is the very freedom we have. Not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. Shall we try that together? Uh, let me say it for you. Not I. Come on. Not I. Not I. Good morning. This is the very celebration we're heading into because the Christ, the God of all creation, came. So that we might have this freedom. I know today, some of you, as you were listening to the message, Holy Spirit was just talking on to you, revealing the truth. And said, oh, son, my daughter, don't you just need to let go of yourself a bit? Be cool. Don't get too serious about yourself. Let it go. I'm in control. If he said that to you, and if God is speaking to you, now... It's our offertory prayer time. We need to return our hearts to God. And I want to pray with you. Can we close our eyes and pray? Father God, we are not only thankful, but we are joyful. Just as you are joyful over us, and you cannot even sit, remain sitting on your throne over us. Father, we are joyful. Joyful by the fact that despite being a sinner, though we were heathens, though we deserve to die eternally, you have called us. You have initiated a relationship with us. And you have spoken to us through your revelation. And Father, you have revealed your truth to us through your spirit. And Father, you have empowered us to obey your will and to love you more through the spirit of Christ. And Father, we confess and acknowledge that it's nothing about us, but it is all about you. And we are delighted in that fact because in you there is freedom. The freedom that you originally intended for us to use to love you with all of our freedom. So Father, today 